Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, the cold winter months are here, and this is where your windows need to be on their game. And this is where energy efficiency is really important. Keeping your home energy efficient keeps you and your family cozy while saving on energy bills, which is huge during the winter months, and your windows are vital in this fight. Pella uses low E glass to reflect heat back in your home and to prevent conduction, which is the warm air in your house flowing outside. Pella Windows uses double pane glass with insulating gas like argon in between the panes to keep the warm inside and the cold outside. Find out more by contacting your Local Pella Omaha and Lincoln expert today, or go online to PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza. If you want a great gift idea for the holidays, how about the gift of Runza? Go to RunzaShop.com. It is your home for all the best Runza shirts, socks, hats, stickers, koozies, baby gear, and more. You can even buy Runza sandwiches and have them shipped Anywhere in the U.S. Talk about a happy holidays. Runza shipped to your door. Oh, boy. It's an incredible gift. So give the gift of Runza this holiday season. Go to RunzaShop.com. That's RunzaShop.com. Runza makes it all better, especially the holidays. All right. Welcome back into the Nick Bob podcast. And today on tap, we're talking some hoops, in particular, some Husker hoops, because Goodness gracious, I have fielded a ton of tweets, a ton of emails of people. Nick, what do you think about it? Give me your thoughts on on Hoiberg's crew. What do you think about what's going on with the team? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Because I've called the Kansas State game, so I've you know been up close and personal with the program. I'm actually slated to call quite a few Nebraska games in, in January as well, so I'm going to be around the program quite a bit. Um, so Let's get into it, man. Let's get into what we have seen from Nebraska. Again, we're taping this. It's December 23rd. Uh, so I wanted to give Nebraska played Kennesaw State last night. So they're officially kind of like they're on holiday break. They, they're they done with their non-conference portion of the schedule. And now they're going to turn the page and, and it is Big Ten play time. I know they've played uh, Indiana and Michigan, but now it is it is all Big Ten for the rest of the way. And boy, did they got their work cut out for them because the start of the Big Ten season is tough for them. They got, they got, you know, what is it, Iowa or uh, they got Ohio State. Let me pull it up here. So to start, they got Ohio State, Michigan State, Rutgers, Illinois, Purdue, Indiana, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Like, like that's a, it's on and popping, baby. Once for for Nebraska, once this thing gets rolling here, starting on uh, January second with uh, with the Buckeyes coming to town, a game that I'll be on the call on. Thank you very much. Nebraska, Ohio State. I'll be there. Chris Holtman's crew coming into town. Uh, so let's 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 talk about it, man. Let's talk some Husker hoops. A little midseason progress report as Nebraska is sitting at six and seven. Um, and you know, obviously, it's been a little bit of a disappointing season so far. Uh, 
this team was always going to be a little bit challenging to project just because of all the new pieces they were going to be implementing. It was it was hard to know. We talked about it heading into the year. When people say, hey, what do you think of Nebraska? It's just like, it's hard to know. It's it's hard to know when you got that much new guys coming in, transfers and freshmen that you're going to rely on, be relying on. I said before the season that, to me, this team getting to the NIT would be a good year for them. And I I never thought at least heading into the season that this was an NCAA tournament team. I just didn't, I didn't see that. I was cautiously optimistic that Nebraska could, could take a step forward because first of all, they had an off season with workouts, pickup, weights, conditioning, camaraderie, all this stuff. They didn't have that with COVID. That's a reason. I also thought at least on paper, they had improved their three-point shooting. Tominaga, Wilcher, Bryce McGowan's, on and on. And then I thought Alonzo Verge could potentially be an upgrade at that that point guard position. Plus, I somewhat I was somewhat assuming that Bryce McGowan's would live up to the five-star hype. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people who say, oh, he's a one-and-done guy. Well, it's like when you conjure up the image of like five-star, one-and-done dude, you I mean you're thinking like you're gonna get a badass coming to town, right? Well, so far. I would say, you know, listen, Nebraska, Bryce McGowan's, again, I felt like he needed to be an all-conference caliber type of dude for Nebraska to really maximize. I, he hasn't really been that. Like, he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. You see the potential. He's, he's, you know, athletic. He's long. He's got a pretty shot, all that stuff. But he's got a long ways to go. You look at Nebraska's collective purpose and togetherness isn't great. Um, their three-point shooting has been a disaster. They rank 334th in the country at 25% from beyond the arc. Alonzo Verge has had his ups and downs as a pure point guard. So for me, a lot of the things that that looked right in air court, looked right or better on paper have kind of played out otherwise so far through the first 13 games. And, you know, a lot of the assumptions that that I made have ended up being somewhat wrong so far. Like again, that's not to say this is how they're going to be for the rest of the year. Um, listen, I thought this would be a, a good three point shooting team. They have not been so far. That's putting it politely. I thought this team would really be clicking on their execution and and togetherness and all that stuff because they had an off scene together, off season together, chemistry, coaching, all that stuff. And it's been it's been shaky so far with their execution and and shot selection and attention to detail and. You know, the line I've given to people at times is like, Nebraska just doesn't play with a lot of collective purpose at times. Where it's like, to me, good teams, you can totally see what it is they're, 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 they're trying to get done, both offensively and defensively. And some of that stuff leaves a lot to be desired at times. And then I thought, I thought Alonzo Verge and Bryce McGowan's had a chance to be a pretty electric one-two combination in the backcourt. And so far, they've been inconsistent. They've been a little inconsistent. And they have such shortcomings at times with some of their decisions, whether it's shot selection or passing or even defensively, some shortcomings with what they do. Like, it's, it's, that's tough. And then when you add to that the Trey McGowan's injury, which has really, really hurt them, by the way. I'll get more into that in a second. And the fact that this team has, has the bad combination of being small and undersized with having stretches where their fight and toughness has n- has not been very good. 
when you when you mix all that up, that's how you kind of arrive at at where we're at right now. Being six and seven with some some really, really, really rough nights. It's been some rough nights. Lose to Western Illinois, get get a hundred hung on you by Michigan and Auburn. Like it's tough. Creighton comes to town with a young team, beat you pretty soundly. It's been it's it's been rough. Now I will say this, I do think I do think shooting the ball so poorly through the first 13 games has A, magnified their shortcomings on defense with toughness and on the glass, and B, impacted their overall energy and fight and, and togetherness. Listen, this is an, an offensive-minded program with a roster full of players who seem to really only identify identify with and see value in scoring and making shots. So when that's the case and you're missing shots, you got a big problem because there's kind of, there's nothing else to really fall back on right now. All the players, they, they are thinking shoot, score, shoot, score. Well, when that's not happening, uh Oh, and then collectively as a program, they're thinking shoot, score, shoot, score. And when that's not happening, it's not a lot to fall back on right now. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at White Castle Roofing. And I've owned two homes in my life. One in Omaha and now one in Lincoln. And both times, when I had some damage to my roof, White Castle Roofing was who I trusted with the job. I had some hail damage to my roof in Omaha. White Castle took care of that and did a great job. And then I had a leak with my skylight in Lincoln. My guy Ben from White Castle was able to come over take a look at things, get the pieces needed to fix it, communicated every step, and boom, the crew was over and knocked it out quickly. Done and done. The crew was amazing, man. They're fast. They're efficient. They were awesome. Cleanup was a top priority. And most importantly, they did a fantastic job. You can't trust just anyone with your roof. And trust me, you can trust White Castle Roofing. Check them out. Online, whitecastleroofing.com. That's whitecastleroofing.com. White Castle Roofing, built with trust, proven by time. So, you know, again, as I'm taping this, Nebraska's last game was was uh, last night against Kennesaw State, and they finally shot it well from three. They actually went 15 of 29 from three, which is incredible, considering the fact I called the game against Kansas State, and Nebraska missed 18 straight threes in the loss to the Wildcats. 18 straight. They started five for 10 from three in that game, proceeded to miss 18 in a row after that. So. It was good to see them knock down some threes, get some confidence. And certainly everything looks different when you're making threes for the better. But Fred Hoiberg, after games, media sessions, all this stuff, has openly talked about two things. Shot selection. And he's talked about making some tweaks to the offense with maybe some more sets, maybe slowing it down and playing through Derek Walker more. Now, since he's talked about that there's been two games the Kansas State game and the Kennesaw State game in kind of addressing both those things I, I do think I think running more sets can address a lot of things that ail Nebraska I really I, and you know Fred Hoiberg kind of taking control and micromanaging things from the sideline which I know is against his nature to a certain extent I do think it can address a lot of the things that ailed him because there's no doubt this team's shot selection at times has been really questionable. <laughs> there are times it's like it's like every player, every player is shooting heat check shots. You know what I mean? Like 
every single player approaches an offensive possession like they've just hit three in a row or something like that. And if they get an inch, they're they're letting that thing go. You know, like they start playing with someone, step back, you know, it's like, geez, guys, let's get into a rhythm and a flow a little bit here. I like the confidence, but yeesh. Now, I will say this. So, again, since Fred Hoiberg talked about these tweaks to this offense, I haven't really noticed much different with with the tweaks that Fred Hoiberg's talking about, to be honest with you, because I had someone tweet at me, like, what have you seen with the – what's different? I don't – I don't even, even in the Kennesaw State game, like, at least for me, from an X's and O's standpoint, it looked kind of like it's always looked, in my opinion. Maybe in the Kennesaw State game, I thought Verge was a little better with his decision-making, and they made shots. Now, to be fair, I do think they took better threes. There weren't as – no, they shot their fair share of – you know, step backs and 27-foot contested ones and all those things. But I think for the most part of the 29 three-point attempts, they took a better percentage of good threes, which led to a higher percentage. I'm, but I'm speaking more so from a tweaking of the offense systematically standpoint. Like, I, I, I'll i be I'll be curious if those tweaks become more apparent visually as more games progress, because Hoiberg's talked about it maybe takes a little bit of time, whatever. Because I, I do really like the school of thought behind running more sets with with this team. I, I like I, and I'll tell you for I like that for a couple of reasons. Number one, Nebraska has lacked good consistent ball movement. Running more sets can help manufacture ball movement, which in turn also gets more guys feeling like they're involved because they're touching the ball instead of maybe sitting and standing in the corner. Number two, Nebraska's had some stretches where turnovers have been an issue for this team. Sometimes calling more sets can help you with with ball handling issues. Sometimes. Number three, calling more sets can help you control where the shots are coming from and who is in position to attack and take those shots. Nebraska's had a hard time with shot selection. Calling more sets can help manufacture and control those offensive possessions. Who's getting what look? Who's taking what shot? And then lastly, good offense helps your defense. And what I mean by that is there have been times, most most glaring to me, the three games where it was most glaring were uh, in, in the Creighton game, the Auburn game, and the Michigan game, where Nebraska's transition defense was really, really poor. And I think some of it, some of those issues can get traced back to bad offensive possessions with bad shot selection. When when teams take quick, bad shots, you aren't, first of all, you're not in good offensive rebounding position, and you sometimes, you sometimes aren't in good position for defensive balance to get back and stop transition. There's kind of There's a saying in basketball that bad shots are oftentimes the first pass to your opponent's fast break. So making sure you execute and run good offense and take good shots is going to help your defense because you're going to be in more better position to maybe grab an offensive rebound, which Nebraska is not very good at that to begin with. But then most importantly, you're in better position to get your transition defense set, organized, ball stopped, sorted out, matched up. If you take if you run better offense, take better shots. Those things are more connected than you think. So there's a lot I like with the school of thought behind what Fred Hoiberg is is hinting at there. 
because I think it can address a lot of the issues with with this team in particular on offense. Because when I when I watch Nebraska on on, on offense right now, whether it's on film or or live court being right courtside with a game, like they just have a hard time getting anything easy. And this is where I think the Trey McGowan's injury really hurts them. Because McGowan, Trey McGowan's was he was the most physical and athletic guy on the roster. And he could get into the lane, he could finish through contact, he could get to the free throw line. With him out, the only legit guy who can consistently get in the lane is probably Alonzo Verge. Now, I think Bryce McGowan's could, but he's a guy that wants to settle for jump shots right now. The, and without Trey McGowan's, you look at Nebraska's backcourt, it's like, man, they are not a physically imposing backcourt at all. Verge, Bryce McGowan's, and, and Tommy Naga, tell you what, man, I call a lot of basketball games. I see a lot of high-level teams in person. You won't find many power conference starting guards that are smaller and as physically weak as those three guys. And listen, I'm not trying to be mean with that. It's not meant to come off as mean because I'm not saying those three guys don't have value. They absolutely do. They're they're skilled. They can shoot, all those things. But they're small, and they're not very strong. So they have a hard time getting into the paint against big, strong players. And sometimes they have a hard time handling the ball against big, strong players. Guards. I mean, some of those K-State guards in person, when Selton Miguel got in a stance and wanted to heat Bryce McGowan's ass up, Bryce had a hard time. And in the Big Ten, there's going to be a bunch of those dudes. But to circle back to the, the offensive tweaks conversation, the other thing you can do is you can scheme and create driving lanes for guys. That, that will help maybe create more paint touches. You can get Derek Walker more touches too, which has been what Fred Hoiberg kind of hinted at, playing through him more. You got you to gotta get the ball, offensively, you got to get the ball into the paint one way or another, and that can come via the dribble drive or via post-ups. And playing through Walker is another way to kind of create more paint touches, and you know, playing out of that will kind of diversify Nebraska's offense a little bit. So we'll see what all that looks like. Now, I will say the drawback to running a bunch of sets and running sets all the time is sometimes it takes away from your your transition offensive game because guys aren't maybe running every time or wired to attack, 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 foot on the gas, go. And you can become a little more predictable if you if you have five or six, maybe three or four pet plays you run over and over and over and over again. You become predictable. I've always said the hardest thing to defend and defend in basketball is random motion with guys making reads and attacking. That's the hardest thing to defend, not necessarily set plays. It's random. One time they're back cutting, one time they're coming off a handoff. Sometimes they're using that screen. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're, it's a flare screen. Sometimes it's a down screen. Like that's when stuff gets, gets to be challenging. But if you know, all right, on this cross pick, it's here comes a down screen. We can load up. We can switch. We can all this stuff. That that gets easier to defend because you know what's coming. So that there are drawbacks to running more sets. So there's a lot to consider there. But I'll say this: What's interesting is I'm sitting here talking about offense because that's what Fred Hoiberg has been talking about. Again, he's an offensive guy. But I, I think 
I think this is true for a lot of coaches. You kind of fall back on how on what you know and how you're wired. Hoiberg is a guy that is wired to think about shooting and scoring and offense. So his focus and his thoughts go there. But don't don't get it confused. J- equally as big of an issue to all the offensive woes is the other end of the floor. Like Nebraska got a long ways to go on the defensive end of the floor too with having consistent fight and consistent teeth in their defense and consistently trying to be competitive on the glass. Nebraska for the season is they have a minus eight rebounding margin per game. That's not very good. In fact, that's bad. Nebraska, we've been over that. They're not, they're not a very big or physical team on that end of the floor. The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big-time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And and Hoiberg has said it. There are stretches. This isn't just my opinion. This is from the head coach. There are stretches where... They really lack the fight and grit to survive on the defensive end of the floor. I'm talking fighting through a screen. Don't Velcro a screen. Don't die in a screen. Get through that thing. Having the urgency to fly around and rebound. Finding a body, blocking a guy out. Getting in a stance and containing the dribble one-on-one. Talking early in a possession and getting sorted out. Switches. Who's got ball? Who's got shooter in the corner? Attacking every loose ball like you're a lion on a piece of meat. Like, all those things have to be there if you want to have success at the major college basketball level. You want to play in the NCAA tournament? You better do all that shit I just said. You better do it. It's non-negotiable. Especially when you aren't blessed with size, with with great size and great strength as a roster. Like, when that's the case, your fight's got to be off the charts. So that, that certainly has to improve as well. Now, what you hope is sometimes the greatest teacher and motivator is is getting beat badly, losing, failing. And Nebraska's tasted defeat in some some bad ways, right? It had to have not felt good to have Creighton come into your house and and beat you the way they did. It probably didn't feel good to get have Michigan hang a hundred on you and Auburn hang a hundred on you and Western Illinois to beat you. Like those things are not fun to go through, right? So hopefully that kind of wakes them up to, to the level of fight that they got to have all the time. Not for one half, not for one four-minute segment, not for 30 minutes, for 40 minutes every night. Like, their fight has to be off the in charts. It just does. When they start taking on EJ Liddell and Kyle Young and Zach Eady and Travion Williams and Kofi Coburn and, like, pfft, Better you better be ready to fight. You better be ready to fight. 
So hope, hopefully, they're, they're seeing that now. Listen, it's a, it's a, it's a new, it's a lot of new guys. Hopefully, they're seeing that now. Tominaga's never played at this level. Bryce McGowan's never played at this level. Like, hopefully, they see that. Some quick thoughts on each guy in the rotation, just real quick. I, I talked about Trey McGowan's. For, I mean, again, his injury is is was a big blow to the team. I mean, hopefully Nebraska gets McGowan, Trey McGowan's back from that, that, that I think it was a broken bone in his foot. He's slated, the word is he's potentially coming back mid-January. That would really help Nebraska, really help. Bryce McGowan's. Again, you, you don't got to be James Naismith or Greg Popovich to see the potential that's there, right? He's long, he's smooth, he's got a pretty shot, he can score, but he's got to tighten up a lot in his game. I feel like I'm hard on Bryce because I see it there with Bryce. And he, I mean, you get that, you're a five-star dude. You're on NBA mock draft boards. Like, here we go, man. He's He's got to prove on the defensive end. He's got to improve his willingness to get physical, hit somebody. Offensively, I like it when he's attacking. Like, I don't like it when he's settling. To me, the free throw line is a great barometer for how he's playing. When he's getting to the line, that that usually means he's playing well because he's in attack mode and he's not settling. When he settles for contested twos and long threes, it's a coin flip for him, man. It's a coin flip. But I now what's hard is like Nick, geez, the guy's averaging 15 points per game as a freshman. Like, come on, I get it. But you know, I feel like you know I'm going to hold him to a high standard because like I think he probably holds himself to a high standard. And Nebraska needs him to be. They can't have him just be like, oh, he's a nice player. He scores a little bit. They need more than that. He's got to find a way to impact winning in more ways than just scoring. So I'm excited to see how he, he finishes the year because it's there for him, man. It's there for him. Alonzo Verge, it's it's coming for him too. Like he's in a tough spot. We've talked about this. He's a guy who thinks wired to score and he's having to learn on the fly to run a team. And he didn't play point guard at Arizona State. Remy Martin did. Verge sets the tone in so many ways. When he's making plays for others and moving the ball, it changes their team. When he's in a stance heating up the ball defensively, it it sets the tone for the rest of the group. But every once in a while, you can see him revert, especially offensively, into, I'm just going to go try to get 35. And, and the possessions that don't have a single pass where he attacks and misses a shot, misses a shot it, they hurt. They're a little deflating. So it's hard, man. He's got to balance all those things. He's got to balance scoring, staying aggressive, but also understanding he's got to set the tone and the table for everybody. He's also another guy that's got to get a little bit more teeth in his, you know, the defensive end of the floor too. Both him and Bryce McGowan's like, man, if you're going to play the whole game and take a bunch of shots, you got to fight on the other end of the floor. You got to fight. Now, again, Alonzo Verge has talent, man. That is undeniable. But much like Bryce McGowan's, he's got to find a way to impact winning and losing and not just scoring the ball. Kese Tominaga. Listen, he is what he is. I don't mean that to be negative, but like what he is, he's a, he's a relentlessly aggressive three-point shooter. He comes in, he's hunting. And he's been streaky so far. And he's a guy that I think has got to learn a little bit better shot selection. But, you know, you look at him, he's just so limited in other ways on the floor because of his size and athleticism. He just is. Now, I will say, oddly enough, he's actually got pretty good hands defensively. He's second on this team in steals. But, you know, he's just got a ceiling on that end of the floor because of his size and athleticism. 
But they need his shot making really bad, though. They need Tominaga to be a 40% dude. Right now, he's about 33%, 34% in that area, and that's coming off a big game against Kennesaw State. He's important to spacing the floor and how Nebraska wants to play. He's got to get more consistent from three and just work his ass off on the other end of the floor to hang in there. C.J. Wilcher, he's been okay all year. Like, not great, but not awful. Um, they, they need his, He's a lot like in the mold of Tominaga. They, they need they need his shot making. Um, but for me, when I look at, like, when I look at C.J. Wilcher, like, they they could also use someone like him to try to take on kind of a, a, other areas where they lack, like take on a tough guy, ball mover, play with energy type of dude too. They need someone in the backcourt to play with toughness. Maybe he has that, maybe he doesn't. But he's a bigger bodied guy when you look at the rest of the backcourt guys. Like he's bigger than Tommy Naga, he's bigger than Kobe Webster, he's stronger than Lonzo Verge, he's stronger than Bryce McGowan's. He's got to play to that because they need it. Not only do they need his shot making, but they need a little bit of his size and strength. Now, he's not the biggest dude in the world, but he's bigger than Tominaga Webster and stronger than Virgin McGowan's. But much like Tominaga, he's, he's out there first and foremost to, to space the floor and make threes. He's been okay, 33%. That number's got to improve. Important piece. Kobe Webster. I've always, I've always liked Kobe Webster. He's been up and down this year. Uh, he had that huge game against Creighton. Since that point, he's been a little quiet. They need his veteran, older experience really bad. Like, th- think about this. Kobe Webster is a top 25 active scorer in college basketball. Think about that. Kobe Webster is a top 25 active scorer in college basketball. He's played a ton of games and scored a ton of points. They need that experience and maturity and leadership and calming influence in every way, shape, and form. Practice, bus rides, airplane trips, locker room, on the floor, on the bench, timeouts. They need Kobe Webster to emerge as a big voice for this group. Maybe it's maybe he's not that dude, but based on his track record and pedigree in terms of how much he's played, they need him to be that guy. They also need his three-point shooting, but I'm looking at other ways he can make an impact. Derek Walker, they need everything from him. Like, everything. He's the only physical guy with any size in the front court right now. They need every ounce of physicality they that dude has in the paint and on the glass. And like we discussed, they may start playing through the post more, so they need his scoring and playmaking, too. Massively important player who they need to play at a higher level than maybe he's even made out to be. Like, he's one of those guys, like, he needs to, if he's got this kind of potential, like, he's got to play above that especially because with all the big, good big guys in the, in the conference, man. He, he, he's got to be good. Lat Mayen. You know, there's no other way to put I mean, Lat has struggled. He's, I mean, he's a stretch four who's outside, outside of three-point shooting is, is kind of limited. He's not a physical freak. He's not overly athletic. He's not a great defensive player. He's not a great ball handler. But what he is and what he's supposed to be is a catch-and-shoot guy. And he's not shot it well. He's got to start making his threes. Like he's shooting 23%. That number's got to get closer to 40%. No other way to put it. Eduardo Andre. Uh, he's got to learn how to play defense without fouling. I mean, he's just fouling at a really, really, really high rate. I mean, he fouled 
had four fouls in seven minutes in the Kansas State game. And a lot of a lot of his fouls are like 25 feet from the hoop, hedging a ball screen. The Dick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza. You know, life is about great combinations. Jay-Z and Beyonce, me and Dana Altman, Dre and Snoop, Adrian Martinez and Austin Allen. Great combinations make life better. And the legendary combination of chili and cinnamon rolls is back at Runza. Runza's homemade chili with real ingredients combined with the sweet deliciousness of cinnamon rolls. It just doesn't get any better than that combination right there. As a lifelong Nebraskan, I've grown up having chili and cinnamon rolls. So it's it's a way of life for me, man. And Runza's chili and cinnamon rolls really symbolize the fall football season. And as that weather starts to get a little chilly, you know it's time to go get some chili. And cinnamon rolls from Runza. Nothing better than on a cool fall day having a nice warm cup of chili from Runza. Mm, mm, mm. This legendary combination is only available for a limited time, so you know what you need to do. You need to get out to Runza today and get your homemade chili and cinnamon rolls game right. Runza makes it all better. Eduardo Andre is important because they need his he, his size and length. He's the tallest and longest guy in the roster. They need that. They need his 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 length in the front line. It's an all-hands-on-deck kind of approach to stop some of these Big Ten bigs. So he's got to learn how to stand on the court. It's obviously also hurts that Wilhelm Breidenbach is out, had uh, seasoning-ending surgery on his knees, out six to eight months. It hurts because he had size and skill. And then we'll see if, you know, Trevor Lakes and Keon Edwards can get on the floor consistently and produce. It's interesting. Edwards went from starting to not even playing. Interesting. And then Trevor Lakes made a few shots against uh, against Kennesaw State. You know, he's that Division II transfer that's what he does. Is, is, is He's a three-point specialist. Maybe he can come in and make an impact, just making shots, because they, they need somebody to step up and make some shots. So we'll see what happens with those two. So there you go. There's a little... Husker Hoops midseason uh, progress report from Professor Baugh here. Uh, I'm excited to see what this second half of the season can look like. Hopefully they get Trey McGowan's healthy. Hopefully Bryce McGowan's takes a step, starts shooting it better. They Hopefully they they take big strides in terms of like the grit and the fight and the energy and the competitiveness and the toughness that they got to play with every single possession. And we'll see what happens, man. It's going to be fun to see what old Coach Hoiberg could do with this group. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how how they how they fare here after the new year and when Big Tip play starts ramping up. So there you go. Make sure you download the podcast, subscribe, rate, review it. Check me out on the YouTube page as well. Subscribe to that page. Throw a comment in the comment section. Get in the in the conversation as well. We'll catch you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. A Huda Media Production.